0: Thank you for joining the Move the Stairs podcast. I'm Diane Mulligan with my colleagues Mitch Jelniger and Jordan Sherman.
1: You may be wondering, what does Move the Stairs mean? It's our philosophy, how we look at every challenge as an opportunity.
0: When you move the stairs, you take the steps other people might not, creating customer loyalty, nurturing great relationships with the media, and building a resilient CBD, hemp, and medical marijuana brand.
2: Over the next 20 minutes or so, We'll talk with the brightest minds, the savviest business leaders, and reporters in the CBD space.
1: You'll learn how brand protection PR can help your CBD, hemp, or medical marijuana business stand head and shoulders above your competitors.
0: And you'll be on your way to making the most of any challenge. That's what we call Move the Stairs let's get started.
2: Welcome to our Move the Stairs podcast episode 90. We are recording on Friday, September 1st, 2023. We're glad you're here joining us for today's enlightening conversation.
1: Yeah, episode 90. How are we up to 90 already? We're excited to be joined by David Miller. He is the co-owner of Flow Gardens, an indoor cultivation facility in Tennessee that grows premium cannabis flower, and also has an extensive research and development lab. I'm excited about the latter part here.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's cool. So Flow Gardens produces flowers, uh, pre-rolls, edibles, concentrates. And as David's going to tell you, Flow Gardens believes in cultivating health and happiness. You're going to hear those words a lot today, probably. Health and happiness through premium quality cannabis. So
1: We're, we're going to be excited to talk to David, of, of course, about the three pillars of brand protection PR, the first of which is building customer loyalty, which we know is really difficult in a highly competitive market such as cannabis.
2: Indeed, and of course at m Communications, we always like to discuss, right, the importance of building relationships with the media. So we'll get David's take on uh, if he does that, how he does it, how it works for him, and maybe some tips he can share with you.
1: And one of the things that we notice about the cannabis industry is um, this mantra that a rising tide lifts all boats. During the brand resiliency part of this podcast record, David's going to share some of his business failures that actually taught him some valuable lessons and may be applicable to some of our listeners today.
2: Yeah, always good to hear. All right, let's get started. Let's bring David into the studio. David, thanks so much for joining us on our Move the Stairs podcast today. We appreciate
3: you being here. Miss Jordan, uh, likewise. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be on and uh, talk to you all. Absolutely. So you spent 20
2: years in finance and you were quite good at it. You did a really good job. You had a successful
3: career. Why the switch to cannabis? What motivated you? What changed in your life? Uh, I'm pretty hard headed um, at times and I'm 43 years old and it took me about 20 years to realize I need to do what I love. And when I, when I, when you do what you love, then everything follows the money aspect was something that, and I was always great at numbers, as we had mentioned, Mitch. And you know, it came easy to me, so I went into the financial world and you know made great money, had a great company, but it just the you know the purpose component wasn't there. So I just took a hard look at what was meaningful, what was purpose and purposeful, and I uh, I guess you could say did a 180 and went from finance and and accounting to uh, to cannabis. So so it's quite. Quite an interesting but uh, exciting change that's happened here over the past couple of years.
1: There's not really too many companies that we've talked to where, you know, somebody isn't purpose-driven. I mean, you kind of have to be to work in that industry for sure. It's it's a passion of love. Um, it, nobody nobody is in cannabis anymore to get rich. That is for darn sure. Those days have, have well, you know, been beyond us.
3: <laughs> yeah, and I think that's one of the opportunities, Jordan. That's a great point. I, there's a, a stat that came out I don't know. I heard maybe a month or two ago that seventy-five percent of cannabis companies aren't profitable. So mm-hmm. I really think that um, that just speaks to the the infancy of the industry and the opportunity that's out there.
1: Absolutely, and you know, part of that reason, um, some of the reason, is a bit of a saturated market. So you're you're fighting for customer share, along with dozens of other companies fighting for customer share. So, you know, as Mitch kind of pointed out, the health and happiness is a uh, slogan that's used by your company. How are you communicating that to your customers? And are you finding that they're resonating, uh, gravitating toward that message, you know, lifting up your consumer loyalty to your products?
3: We're, that's a, wow, that's a great question. Um, so, you know, being maniacal about ensuring that our customers are happy is, one of our one of our core values, you know, having that customer focus. There's one thing that um uh a colleague told me years ago very successful with a, a large family-owned company multi-billion dollar company and they said you know the customer doesn't always need to be right but the customer needs to feel like they're right um and this was in a food service industry so um you know, taking into consideration that the customer is what drives your business. Um, So if you're very clear on making sure that the customer feels correct and that you are genuinely and empathetically listening to what they're saying so you can improve whether they're right, wrong, or indifferent, um, really helps to improve your brand and um, shines light on the, you know, how much a company actually cares about their customers. So what are we doing to kind of put some, some meat on that bone. answer <laughs> your question, Jordan is like, if we send out, uh, if we do some pheno hunting and, uh, with some of our new crosses and research for our strains, we have a, a, a small customer base in that, in that parabola, if you will, of how people adopt new things. So we'll send it to the, those pioneers in that parabola that, that call it just the, that top 5% of our, what we believe are our loyal customers. We'll send them those new strains, we'll send a feedback and survey out to them, and they'll say, hey, I really liked this one, and this had a strong berry smell, and the back-end flavor was good, or the effects were very uplifting, what have you. And so we'll take all that, and we'll actually recommend and put out into production our strains uh, based upon what our, you know, Pioneer-type customers are recommending.
1: That's cool. Wow.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So, you know, putting customer first is
2: is one of your core values, as you mentioned. A lot of companies say that. They need to do that. But let's face it, they get kind of bogged down in the day-to-day grind. How
3: do you keep that core value alive and well in the day-to-day when you're busy at Flow Gardens? You know, there's something that I remember vividly in the financial industry. Um, and it was... Uh, it showed these core values, and I forget what the core values were. That was like integrity, customer-driven, you know, some very you know, um, purposeful and meaningful core values. And it, it, was, it was a zoom, zoomed-in close-up. And then, then it took it back, and the logo that was above it was Enron. <laughs> and for those of you that aren't you – know, the listeners that aren't familiar with Enron, well, they, uh, they did some fraudulent things in the energy industry, and their executives went to jail. And so it's all about what are you, what decisions, not 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 what are your core values. What are those pretty words posted on a wall or an employee vision booklet that we give all our employees? It's what conversations are being had, what decisions are being made. You know what is the communication that's that happens on a day-to-day basis. You know what type of cadence is going on there. So not only you're adhering and living out your core values, but more importantly, employees understand it. And they see that we're making decisions on based upon a purpose um, other than profit, if that makes sense. Oh, it does. It does. Because we talk to
2: a lot of companies and we say, well, what you just told us sounds really good. Did, have you told your employees that? And they're like, oh, no, it's just the leadership team. And they're like, no, no, everybody needs to, to
1: be on the same page
2: in the playbook, don't they?
1: Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Uh, I think it's really cool that you, you know, deploy that tactic of bringing in kind of your top consumers to offer that candid feedback on products that you may be, you know, beta testing and might add to your lineup. My question to you, though, is they had to establish that level of trust with Flow Garden somehow. How do you get them to that level? Do you have any top tips that, you know, you say, hey, this is how we take somebody from um, they just tried our product to, you know, down the line. Uh, They're one of our top, you know, 5% of consumers. How do you earn that trust?
3: Trust is something that can be, uh, can have immediately and lose it immediately, right? So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's something that we're constantly working on. I I think, so our company was founded in uh, 2020. It's only three years old. Um, And it took us a year and a half to build out the facility
1: 2020? Um, That's a heck of a time to start a company, David. Right. <laughs> <laughs> a little thing called the right. pandemic going on. Yeah, yeah I right. started
3: my financial company in 2008. So um, apparently, I just like <laughs> to be, get involved with companies that, during times of crises. I don't know why.
1: <laughs> You're a glutton for punishment. Geez. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really. really.
3: Ignorance is bliss sometimes. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, sorry, Jordan. i, I a lot. of I lost track of the question. What was it? (laughs)
1: Hey, That's great. That's good candid kind of conversation right there on the side. But um, I was talking about how, you know, at some point, the 5% of your consumers that you're sending out, um, you know, batch and and product to to say, Hey, give us your feedback. They had to come in as entry-level consumers at some point, they built that trust with you over time. You know, what are some of your tips or maybe some of your tactics to move them from entry-level consumer up to your kind of top 5%. You don't have to give away any trade secrets here, but just oh, kind sure, of, you know, sure. a generalization.
3: Um, so our our founder, I did not found the company. Um, mm-hmm. the, it, he's actually a connection through a family uh, friend. And uh, so I've been working with him to outline our vision. So I worked with him to outline our vision when I first um, came in and joined him. And it was very clear to me how much he cared about the company, how, you know, his, what his vision was, you know, once I was able to pull it out, pull it out of him and articulate it, how much he actually cared about quality and what he did to ensure that quality was in our product. So, um, in the cannabis industry, quality speaks for itself and it does through through your COAs, their certificate of analysis, you know, gives mm-hmm. your terpene and cannabinoid levels. Probably need a little plug there, Jordan, to go into the R and D, uh, if you didn't pick up on that. Cause he said that he was interesting, but um, so he, he has had a maniacal focus on making sure that he grows the best cannabis in the space. And we won the Emerald cup, which is kind of a coveted award and Emerald triangle, Northern California, a lot of Humboldt County growers there. If you've seen murder mountain on Netflix. Um, so we, we actually placed first in uh, the category of flower last year and then second place this year. Um, and then we also won the High Times Cup uh, last year, got first in that, and then we placed second again this year. So uh, that was uh, probably a, a good, I guess, validation in our eyes that we, we grew good flour and we cared about quality. But I, I think more directly is that we have a very strong following on Reddit. It's kind of like an underground way to rep people if you will um at least this sub is and um i won't give the name of it but the, there's cult is in the name so they're very maniacal about quality <laughs> um and you know if, if there is a wrong order from a customer service perspective or there's a strain that's kind of veers from quality you will get blasted on reddit and mm-hmm. everybody will know about it so We have a lot of street cred, if you will, um, on Reddit, because we really care about our customers. We really care about quality. And um, yeah, so that's kind of helped us out there, Jordan.
1: That's interesting because, you know, we know Facebook is not kind. Um, It's gotten a little bit their restrictions against cannabis companies have eased a little bit, but it's still um, not very kind. LinkedIn, we know, is better, but far more professional facing. So uh, this is the first time I've really heard a company kind of dig into Reddit as a great way to kind of build out on social media, their consumer base. That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I could see where that'd be beneficial. Let's talk about yeah. the media for a moment. Um, we, you know, at, at MNC Communications, we're all former journalists. So we, we take that experience. We prepare our clients to better understand the media. And then the whole goal is to better position them as thought leaders in the industry. But that said, as we all know, some reporters are better than others. So building the relationships with the right journalist is, of course, very important. So, David, do you have a a solid working relationship with journalists? And if so, how did you establish that?
3: Um, That's been an ongoing process. And um, so we don't we don't have it all figured out. We went to Benzinga just this past, I think it was around April or so cannabis conference down in Miami and I was a keynote speaker there. And there was this uh, great journalist who worked with the United Nations for um, cannabis and and psychedelics. So, you know, we hit it off. She understood the purpose behind flow gardens and, you know, that's she, you know, if y'all are familiar with Deepak Chopra, he's kind of big in the alternative health space right now. So she, she interviewed with him and, just, you know, getting out there and talking to the media and knowing that they're there to um, bring excitement, uh, which can be good and bad, <laughs> depending on how it's reported, but they're there to bring information in an exciting way to the people. So I think as long as you embrace that and you find the right people who are good journalists and, you know, really care about journalism and as opposed to demonizing people, then, um, then things will work out. But yeah, so we're we're certainly not the most adept in the media space, but we're we're certainly uh, moving, um, you know we're moving in a direction we feel like is good.
1: Well, you bring up a good point because you know, depending on um, even how the headline of an article is written, right? Because we know that you know a lot of people see the headline, don't read the article, and then go into the comment section immediately, right? So how, how you know, how
3: or you to say- your point, sorry to interject, they. Yeah. They read the article with with that snippet in mind, and they already kind of already have their, uh, <laughs> their preconceived notion. Yeah, preconceived yeah. notion about about the issue. Sorry, go ahead, Jordan.
1: <laughs> I was going to say, you know, you are going to have positive, but on the other side, you're going to have the negative too. So, how would you suggest, you know, going about tackling that negative story if media calls? You know, this could be something ranging from a batch recall to Um, somebody unfortunately passing away due to, you know, complications that may have happened, you know, from from a bad product or um, or it could be something about the economy. You know, how would you go about, you know, dealing with a reporter saying, hey, I've got this story. I I need some comment here and some better insight from an industry professional like yourself.
3: Yeah, one thing that really frustrated and, and upset me was in 2008, Um, when I started my company, I was in where I worked for a fortune 50 company and, and left, um, during that time. And, um, I didn't even know a financial crisis was going on. I don't know that anybody did, but you know, I would get on and hear, um, companies like Bear Stearns and even some of the, some of the big names out there, they're still out there and they would just give kind of CYA answers. And they mm-hmm. wouldn't tell the truth, and um, not it's not that they wouldn't tell the truth; they just wouldn't be as transparent as okay. as you would like. And I feel like people understand that when people aren't aren't given the true story. Um, while it might be logical, it still doesn't make sense from an intuition standpoint. And I think if like whenever those hard questions come about, and there are uncomfortable issues where you need to. Um, even though it might be nervous or nerve wracking where you need to be upfront and honest and transparent, then as, as, as long as you you do it in a very genuine and methodical way, then, uh, then, you know, things will will pan out for you in the end. I don't know if that answers your question or not, Jordan, Mm but it's just kind of how, how we, how I like to approach it.
1: Well, being, Uh, for sure.
3: Yeah, being transparent, I think, is very important.
2: It's kind of scary, right? I think that's why some companies don't do it. Um, but I would, I would imagine that by doing that, that's helped you build an, or establish trust with members of the media. Is that right?
3: Yeah, I mean, we're only three years old, so we can only establish so much um, right. in that time. It takes frame. time. But, um, yeah, and you know, we're we're a small company. You know, we're under ten million in revenue, so. Um, you know, we're not like a Cresco Labs or uh, Leave or somebody like that. Uh, certainly not subject to, to the media light and, and PR like, like they are have being a publicly traded company. But, um, yeah, I mean, we're, we're building media relations brick by brick and want, want the media and, and the public to know that we're, we're a good player in the space. And when we mess up, because it's only a matter of time, you know, when we, you know, and we've made mistakes along the way. So when we continue to mess up, as long as we learn from them and we're transparent about it, everything, you know, will, will be all good. Sure.
1: Right. And of course, there's a huge difference between, you know, um, a minor incident, you know, you don't need to send out a press release anytime somebody stubs their toe in the warehouse. But, you know, also, you know, embracing that, you know, embracing the suck at some points, you know. <laughs> Like we goofed yeah. up, you know, here's how we're going to change it. And hopefully others that might be dealing with some, some similar issues can learn from it too. And it's, it's really a good segue into um, our third part of the podcast here. You know, uh, it's h- how we focus on um, brands that are, are building their resiliency and strengthening their reputation. And we call that creating a resilient brand. So David, with it being so crowded out there, with you being so new, uh, relatively speaking, into the space how are you working to build, um, flow gardens, brand reputation?
3: Just every day starts with the basics from a high strategic perspective is, you know, making sure that every single employee understands our vision. We're living that vision out. We're communicating that, you know, we're growing and hiring people in the right way. We're treating employees right. And, you know, I did a entrepreneurial master's program through MIT, and we really had to dissect my prior business. And we went through these systems and processes as to how to scale and, and grow a business. And it's it's really not complicated. And it's mm-hmm. you know when it comes down to it, it can get very complex, especially when you have a maniacal focus on all the different th- things you need to address. But you know it doesn't really get complex until the company grows and, and expands in a big way. And if you set those pillars in place from the beginning, you know, with the employees, with the hiring, with the firing, with the operational processes and, you know, try and conquer the world too fast, then um, yeah, it's not, it's not that hard. Yeah. Good point. We, we always encourage businesses to share their,
2: failures, and I hesitate to use that word because it has such a negative connotation, but because by sharing that story, you're demonstrating to your to fellow businesses, the B2B or your consumers, that you can persevere. You don't look at those as setbacks or defeats, but they're really learning moments. So do you have an example or two or maybe 102 <laughs> of, a, <laughs> of, a, of a failure, a mistake, a misstep, a roadblock, however you want to characterize it, that taught you how to be a better business person and a better entrepreneur.
3: Yeah, I mean there's a <laughs> Mitch, there's a laundry list of them. <laughs> uh as I had mentioned before, but there's this, this kind of joking uh statement that we say in this kind of CEO slash uh small business owner form I'm in is how many five thousand dollar mistakes did, did you make last month? <laughs> um, yeah. Last <laughs> Gotta happen. Yeah. Yeah, and and what can you do to mitigate those going forward? Um, and most of the mistakes that that I make and that we make at our company, it comes down to a lack of communication hmm. and um, making sure that the communication is always improving because it can never be good enough. Because um, you know things are always changing. There is attrition with any firm regardless of if they have an outstanding retention rate. So just making sure that that communication continues to to happen. I mean, we we have errors in our packaging room all the time and customers will call upset. And the important thing is, is that we respond to them promptly. We correct the mistake. Um, You know, we'll eat the cost a lot of times and, um, you know, just, just embrace it. Yeah.
1: I think that's great. I mean, it it starts too with what I think what you just said a couple of minutes ago about building inward first with your employees. I mean, how how would you be able to improve communication if you didn't already invest so much from the get-go with your employees? So I I think that's a brilliant strategy on your part. Um, With it being Q3 in 2023 already, Uh, What do you see on the horizon? Are you thinking maybe the next three to six months when it comes to cannabis? Um, What are things that you're looking out for um, and other businesses should be really paying attention to um, as we get ready to close out 2023 and maybe looking ahead to early part of next year?
3: Um, (laughs) from From what perspective, Jordan?
2: Um, uh, it
1: could be from any perspective, it could be economic perspective, it could be from, um, you know, growth perspective, it could be from um, legislative and regulatory perspective, it's whatever one kind of percolates to the top of your brain um, from the get go here.
3: Yeah, um, well, economically speaking, I, I have no clue um, this and that kind of waterfalls into the political perspective. Is that we've had to pivot our um, our monetization strategies in a lot of different ways, depending on the political environment and depending on how uh, the government changes the rules or doesn't change the rules. Mm-hmm. Um, we we do feel like there is there we are in a high growth sector uh, and we're in a high growth industry. Um, but, it, you know, just in the terms of year, how it's going to change, I will know we have the farm bill coming. that's supposed to be updated um, in, in September. Yeah. Right. But I mean, don't
1: hold your breath.
0: <laughs>
3: kind of the one. And this has been probably one of our biggest challenges from a strategic standpoint is you have the USDA, you have the FDA, um, you have the local in our state, Tennessee Department of Agriculture. You have the, you know, CFR, the Code of Federal Regulations. Going there through the farm bill, you have the state regulations, um, interstate interstate commerce. There's so many different moving parts. That recently, the Department of Health and Human Her- Servi- Health and Human Services just this week, you know, said that they're going to, um, re- or they are recommending that uh, marijuana is descheduled. Or sorry, not not descheduled. It's not going to be descheduled. It's moved from Schedule One down to Schedule Three. Right, Which, right. You know, in the same category as like Tylenol. Yeah. Um, whereas mm-hmm. those are with our one. So that's a pretty big deal, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and, you know, if, if that happens. So that will that will change, you know, if that goes through, who knows? Cool. Um, we still need banking laws to progress. Uh, we you know, right. we we got kicked out of our bank last year with no notice. Um, and wow. we're doing everything compliant just because. We were a high risk from a compliance standpoint. They didn't want to bank with CBD companies. So we had to change everything and just, you know, within, I think it was either two weeks or four weeks. So now we're working with a cannabis friendly bank that, you know, we have a higher degree of trust. But, Mm -hmm. you know, it's it's there's there's so many regulations. It's uh, I mean, it's exciting for me, but it is kind of a nerve nerve wracking for, for a lot of people at the same time. Yeah, not knowing what the, what the future may hold. Hey, before we, we let you go, since Jordan yeah. was
2: excited about your R&D, your <laughs> research and development department, let, let's give you an opportunity to chat about that for a minute because you put a, a, quite an emphasis on that.
3: That's a, a commitment. Why uh, focus so on that? Um, well, right now it's not profitable. Um, so you know, with a growing business, mm-hmm. choosing to outlay, outlay capital for something As significant as as R and D is, speaks to how much we care about the genetics and quality and customers. But so, what we're doing from an R and D perspective is we we have a lot of in-house crosses and genetics um, that we've established with our uh, through our pretty extensive seed bank, to where we're creating we're strengthening alternative cannabinoids. You know, the non psychoactive cannabinoids that have um that a lot of studies have shown have beneficial uh health effects and you know i'm not a doctor i'm not a medical uh professional um but you know science is science and we're really excited about what cbc cbg in addition to cbd a lot of people know that and cbdv can Mm do in conjunction with uh thc whatever what everybody knows with cannabis, that psychoactive tetrahydrocannabinoid, cannabinoid, what they can do in conjunction with each other, whether it's with fighting cancer, whether it's inflammation, whether yeah. it's anxiety, stress. There's just so many different paths that we're able to go down with this plant, and that we're working with uh, um, institutions to, uh, you know, to kind of move that initiative forward. So we have, we're excited about what we can do with the plants. Uh, a plant that's been suppressed for, for quite a long time by the government and mm-hmm. um yeah yeah that's yeah. awesome
1: i mean i de- definitely think that speaks to your commitment to the plant and furthering you know the the movement here sure. which is fantastic on your part um david sure. miller from flow gardens co uh, co-owner of flow gardens where can our listeners find you if they want to learn a little bit more information
3: uh can't find me. I'm usually hiding in my house. But uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm a research nerd and hermit. Sometimes, no, most of the time, no. But uh, FlowGardens.com is, is our company's website. Um, I'm on Instagram, uh, DavidMillerBuzz. Um, Buzz like the media, not as the not like the uh, the, the other meeting, But <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah, but yeah, that's how you find me, Jordan. It's
1: a positive.
3: Cool. Well, thank, well, you, thank you again you. so
1: much for joining us.
3: Yeah, thanks for holding me on, guys. I really appreciate it. Yeah, we all
2: appreciate great. you taking the time out of your busy schedule away from your research to uh, share your <laughs> insights <laughs> on the industry. So, thank you. Yeah. Awesome.
1: All right. Great conversation, Mitch.
2: Yeah, it was very good. Uh, I, I, I love the fact when he's talking about uh, early on, we talked about building customer loyalty. I was jotting all these mm-hmm. notes down, and it was cool. He was talking about the customer has to feel as though they're right. Um, right, and I thought that was very important. And that's also the internal communications to keep that that customer first, because as we talked about, you know, a lot of businesses set up these little uh, you know goals of in mind, and everybody turns and get, gets busy with the process, and they never uh, reach back to them. So, constant that, keeping that in the uh, in the conversation with all employees will really help build that customer loyalty
1: yeah and in talking about media too i thought it was fascinating to get david's perspective being such a young company um, founded in 2020 so you know uh, almost three years old if not three years old already um, kind of getting that raw perspective of hey you know what we don't have a ton of experience here but here's what i would do if um, something negative were to happen in the industry or just in general and that's that beating the drum of transparency and yeah. I think um, in cannabis, especially consumers are wise to it. I mean, they know if your product is good, they know if your product is not good. So that kind of dovetails into part one and building consumer loyalty. But If you're not transparent about what you're doing through the media or to your consumers, you're going to fail.
2: Exactly. The other key thing I was interesting, what I heard about it was great, because he talked about you know, making a connection with a reporter. And he said it was a reporter or a journalist who understands the business. So that's key as well when you're making those right. media relations, because some people really know what they're talking about and some don't. So that was really good. What we talked about building that resilient brand again, transparency, that word came up again and again, and then show how you can persevere. It's OK to say, yep, we stumbled a little bit here. Here's how we corrected it. Actually, that's a much better story for not only mm-hmm. the media but also as a consumer. You're looking at that company, going, "Okay, they kind of tackled that and moved around it." That's that's the kind of uh, you know product the company they actually have a heart for this that I want to be aligned with.
1: And I think too for the final part, you know, looking at brand resiliency right from the get-go, um, you know, David talked about the employee vision, and I think that you know really strongly, and we, we embody this at MNC too, that you have to abide to and adhere to the company principles. You know, what are your goals? And if you can lay that framework with um, frontline team members, employees, you know, whatever you want to call them, um, you're going to be successful as you scale and get larger. Um, and I just, I think that education is so important. So um, that everybody is just on the same page at, at all times. Um, that, that is brilliant to me.
2: Yeah, so simple,
1: though.
2: yeah, it is. It is simple. And, but again, it can be overlooked, you know, in the, in the busyness of the days, but it's actually, yeah, yeah. Well, we want to thank uh, again, uh, our special guest today, David Miller with flow gardens for joining us on this move the stairs podcast. Thank you for listening or watching. We hope you'll join us again for another episode of the move the stairs
3: podcast.
0: Thank you again for listening to the move the stairs podcast. You may be wondering where the phrase move the stairs comes from. It's my life's mantra and MNC's commitment to our clients. It's a nod to a defining moment in my television news career. You know, in news, you have to be first with the story, no excuses. And one night I had to get the first TV news interview with a senatorial candidate after he accepted the nomination on stage. I noticed the stairs leading off the stage were taking the candidate directly to my competitors, but what could I do? So I looked around and I noticed the stairs were on wheels. I walked over and bolted the stairs and moved them so the candidate walked off the stage right to my team first. At MNC Communications, our years in the media taught us there's always a way to move the stairs to make the best possible outcome happen for our clients.